Well, we are um, continuing in our First Peter study, so if you brought your Bible with you, hopefully you did. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, would like to follow along with us, I think that's a good idea. Just raise your hand. The usher yeah. will give you a Bible. Dan has some right there your ready for you. electronic device. Um, the title to the message today uh, is Hope for Your Marriage, because these verses specifically are about marriage, about husbands and wives. But so if you're not married or, you know, if you, this doesn't apply to you, just don't tune it out because I do believe... No, yeah, it's real stuff. Yeah, and there's just good understanding here about how we live together in mutual submission and how the power of that uh, can enhance any relationship, really. Uh, let's just pray before we begin, before we open the Word of God. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And we just want to tell you, Lord, we thank you for your presence. We yes. thank you for your love towards us. Thank you for your mercy, your grace, your kindness that you gave to us in giving us Jesus Christ. And I thank you for the breath and life that we have in you. And I pray, Father, you help us to grasp and live out your will and your purpose for our lives. And even in particular, Lord, in our marriages. Yes. Help us, Father, to be doers of your word because your word promises blessing but it does promise it not just to the hearer but to the person who does your word and obeys yes. and so i pray father you help us give us grace to not just hear today but to do, be doers and be blessed in what you intended for our lives in jesus name amen amen if you agreed with that prayer yes so these beginning verses uh in chapter three are building upon what the Apostle Peter was writing about in chapter 2. You know, the Bible wasn't written. These were all letters. We, we talked about this early on in this study that the Apostle Peter, inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote a letter to, ver to various to churches in the region of what is now modern-day Turkey. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, you don't write a letter to somebody and you don't chapter 1, verse 1. You're not writing that way. <laughs> and so, but... Later on, chapters and verses were put in to make reference for what we're talking about easier. Mm -hmm. uh, but the train of thought that was going on in chapter 2 was about submission in many ways. It was about submission to the human institutions, hu uh, submission to government authorities, and how that would play out in our lives, even in the midst, particularly in the early church, in the midst of persecution. And, and we were saying then that submission is not a very popular or fun word, is it? When you hear the word submission, I'm, not, I'm sure you all just didn't settle down in your seat and go, oh, good. I just really want to learn about submitting, you know, voluntarily putting myself under another person's authority, especially if I may have some resistance to that, mm. some difference of opinion. Yet, just to get us going towards what 1 Peter 3 is about, Chapter 2 ends with Jesus. It says he's our ultimate example in submitting to authority. In the love of God, he submitted to the will of the Father. Yes. You know, to, go, to come and save the human race, save us from our sin, and then offer us eternal life. And so living in submission uh, to the Father, to the will of God, is actually a powerful thing. Amen. And so they're, they're, they're saying in chapter 2... Jesus is our example of this. Even though he, he had no sin, 
He bore the iniquity of our sin upon himself, and by his wounds we are healed. Hallelujah. And so then it continues. If we go into 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, and this is up on our screen also, this is why it says, likewise now, mm -hmm. wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won over, not by discussion, but by your godly life, when they observe your respectful and pure conduct. Verse 3, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of the hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart. There you go. With the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Verse 5, for this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands, like Sarah who obeyed Abraham and called him Lord. You are her daughters if you do what's right, and you don't give way to fear. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Mm. Now, these are just some interesting verses for the day and time that we live in. And in the first century church, you know, I, I want to just go back for a second and remind ourselves, they experienced a lot of persecution at this time when Peter was writing this letter. Yet church historians tell us that at the same time they were experiencing this persecution, remember Nero was the Roman emperor, hated the Christians. They, there was also explosive growth in the church. And you wonder how... How did this happen? Here's a person like Nero who's in power, and these Christians have seemingly no influence. I mean, they have no voting rights. There's <laughs> yeah, no. You know, no power or position. No Christian is going to say, well, I'm going to run for office, and here's my constitutional rights, here's my Bill of Rights. They had really no impact that way with the government. There was certainly no democratic system no. that any of them could even think about relying on. Yet the world at that time was turning, or the church rather, was turning the world upside down. And it was by the power of the gospel message. Amen. This message that we preach, when you open your heart to receive it, literally carries supernatural power. Because the message was about a one true living God, not the polytheism that they were living right. under in that day, but a one true living God who sent his son to come to the earth as a man, to take on the sin yes. of the human race. Worship you, Lord. And in doing that, forgive us our sin. Give us eternal life. He rose from the dead, and now he's saying, you can have forgiveness, and you can have eternal life. And the people who heard the message with the understanding that they needed forgiveness of sin and realized they didn't deserve forgiveness of sin mm -hmm. because the gospel message is about mercy. We get forgiven of what we actually deserve punishment and God said I'm going to give you mercy and I'm going to give you grace through Jesus above it through Jesus yes. and so it inspired their lives to be compassionate towards people they would look at themselves and go I didn't deserve this great favor but and I'm going to give what I was given yes and the common culture of that day uh, believed and practiced infanticide we you know, all know what, what that is. is. Abortion. Just killing of babies. They didn't necessarily practice abortion as we know right. it today. And thank God Roe versus Wade was yes. overturned. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Praise the Lord for that. But in that day, their way of practicing infanticide was if a, a child was born, often it would be if it was a female child was born and it was, had a disability or if it was female and just not wanted for whatever reason, they would take it out, leave it in the street to just right. be exposed to the elements to die or they would take it out into a forest area in the hopes that a wild animal might come and attack it or some strange person, you know, with perverted ideas might just come and carry it away. And so the, the Christians, the early Christians saw this and they were like, we're not doing that. Right. This is wrong. And so what they began to do, they went out and found these children and they rescued them, whether it was in the street or whether it was in the forest, took them into their own homes mm -hmm. and raised them as their own. And this was actually, in church history, the beginning of where the, the idea of an orphanage came about. Isn't that pretty amazing? I think that's pretty amazing. The homes of Christians. Yeah. This is when the first orphanages were beginning to get established. And it was through the heart of a Christian that had compassion you know, on a person, on a little child, on a baby that needed to be rescued. And what happened is the church protected children. We should say yeah. amen to that. Yeah. Yeah. And they valued women. Amen. Jesus yeah. was the one who brought dignity and honor to women. At that time, it was ridiculous that a woman would be in the entourage of a traveling minister or even be in the same room to be taught and sit at his feet. And uh, that carried down within the church. And, and we, as a church, instead of these women being property or just for pleasing men, the church started to give them worth and value. And they, the, the church started to call on men to start to treat your wife with respect, honor, equal partners in the gospel. And we're going to take a look at 1 Peter, but we're going to go to verse 7. And the Holy Spirit, do you understand? The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is God. And that's what Peter yielded to, the power of God, and he heard what he needed to write. And so he starts to understand in verse 7, God himself, this isn't just Peter, God himself is giving instructions to men on how to treat their wives. And this way of treating your wives as equal joint heirs with you in the grace of God was so counterculture, it was actually it was revolutionary to the hearers. Uh, people just were like, what? Because the culture was just, if you don't like her, give her away. If you, you know, see what you can sell her for, that kind of stuff. Verse 7 says, likewise, because what are we talking about? We're talking about submission. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. You know, in our time, our day, we said, well, of course. Of course. But in, it, it, in that time of history, it was a ridiculous thought. 
It really was. To show consideration and value, respect, and you think that they are equal heirs with you in the grace of life, it would be unheard of, to tell you the truth. So this is a radical teaching for the whole culture of the world, to tell you the truth, because wives were property. They were property. And the only way for a, a woman to have any kind of security was to get married. And so, <laughs> have we really changed so much? I know the church has. We well, think I of think the multi-billion I, yeah. dollar porn industry. Yeah, I think that part of it, yeah. Yeah, come on, think about it. <laughs> There's sex slavery all over the world, even in the United States, folks. We can't bury our head to this. <laughs> we, there are volumes of Jeff Epstein's all over the world. This guy just got caught. And Harvey Weinstein's all over the world. You know, <laughs> yeah. Bill Cosby's all over the world. So it really, yeah, and it does happen in churches. Praise God, not in this church. Yeah. Yes, thank you. But it's happening. And then you have to wonder, has our culture really progressed? <laughs> and again, women had no means of self-supporting, so their only security was marriage. And even there, at that time, there was uh, arranged marriages where the woman had absolutely no choice who she was going to marry because her dad figured it out for her. And the church was now changing culture. They're saying, no. We're to value our wives. We're to treat them with honor. We're going to understand they're the weaker vessel. That means that they're not as strong as you. Physically. Physically. Do you understand that? I had to add that in, those. <laughs> <laughs> Go, <But> girl. It's <laughs> so it's, now it's a, it's a new day. A new day is dawning on the world. It's a new day for the life of, of humanity, to tell you the truth. Praise God for this. And it's a, it's a new day for the husbands who have given their lives to Christ. And men, don't you know you need a new day every once in a while? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he spoke for many in here. <laughs> uh, it's a new day for us to be considerate to our wives, to honor her, respect her, give her thanks for what she does. Notice it. Put her desires above your own. See, who's the greatest in the kingdom? The least, the yeah. servant of all. Yeah. Men, you want to be great in the kingdom? Oh, I do. Jesus said it's not wrong to, be one, to want to be the greatest in the kingdom. And then he tells us how. You've know, got to be a servant of all. Yeah. Men, you and I, this is not just if you want to. Who's speaking yeah, the one every single one of us are going to stand in front of. Every single one of us will stand in front of him. And he's given us instruction. Isn't it great to have, you know, shock me now, not shock me later? Uh, because now I can change. Yeah. Hallelujah. Now I can change. And you know, when you change and you start doing the word, it brings eternal rewards. Amen. It's good stuff. I, you know, you are required by God himself to help bring the gifts out of your wife. 
You recognize them. You know them. You're living with them. So you help bring them out. Why? Well, because God said so. <laughs> that should be the end of the argument. But it'll hinder your prayers. You're not getting your prayers answered, guys? Hello. <laughs> Hello. It's not just good for your marriage. It's actually simply obeying God. And it's opening up the answers to your prayer life. Amen. Getting quiet in here. Anybody have a daughter? I do. Now suppose some guy is rude to her. Then you carry it a little further. <laughs> yeah, that takes on, when you think about it, it takes on deeper meaning, like prayer and honoring your wife. If you have a daughter, yeah. you start to think about it in these terms. Because I have a daughter. We have a daughter. And if somebody's treating her mean, somebody's grabbing hold of her, pushing her around, abusing her, and then that person comes to me and asks me for help, what do you think dad's going to do? Yeah. <laughs> going to have a come to Jesus meeting. Dad's going to have a serious talk with him, and it's not going to go well for that yeah. guy. You know where I get? I get that from God himself. Yeah. Men, you're married to God's daughter. Yeah. <laughs> and we're giving you this advice so you don't have a serious confrontation with him. <laughs> you are married to one of God's daughters. God Almighty. So you want to respect her. You want to honor her. You've got to stop being crabby toward her. Start, stop criticizing her. Stop pushing her around. Listen, this is important. I mean, it goes right now. If, because you can change right now by the power of God. Yeah. Yeah. We need to treat them with respect, with gentleness, as the weaker vessel. Honor her. Don't do anything at all, but honor her. Treat her right. It's your responsibility to draw the gifts of God out of her. Amen? And it makes us a, makes it a light. Our marriages become a, are meant to be a testimony to the world. They're really meant to be a reflection of Christ and his church. I mean, we're going to m mention this in a, in a little bit. Yeah. But, but here, here's what the Holy Spirit says to the wives then. This is in 1 Peter 3, verse 1. That we, we already read this, but this up on the screen. Just as a reminder, likewise, it says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands, to your own husbands. There you go. Look at that. That's important. <laughs> it's just not... So that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won over not by discussion, but by your godly life. When they observe your respectful and pure conduct. Now, for some wives, this idea of submitting to your husband is just not, well, they're not welcoming words. It's not very appealing. And there may be reasons why that is. I mean, to be clear, Peter is not saying to submit to a husband who is abusive. That's right. 
this has to be made very clear. Yeah, if you know, if, if there's a, if there to accept physical abuse, especially physical abuse. If you're if you're in a situation where there's physical abuse, there's pushing around. You need to get out of that situation. Yes, and get you some help. You need to separate and get some help. Yeah. But there's verbal abuse that can happen. There's mental abuse that can happen. Which is wickedness. Which is all wickedness. And so if you're in that situation, this is not what this is saying. Submit yourselves to your own husband. Because if they're not, they're obviously, if they're abusive, they're not obeying the word. That's correct. But there are times whenever churches have taught, well, you just need to stay in that, sub- that situation, submit, and then your husband will see how, you know, how you're submitting and, and it'll work good in his life. No, Meanwhile, women have died at the that's hands correct. Of, that's of not, abusive it, situations. It, it is so, not what he's saying. Yeah, that's not what he's saying. And men, if, if that's you, I'm, uh, my office is open to talk. Yeah, yeah. But for most wives, like if you're not in that situation, you're in a general a marriage where you have an unbelieving husband. You know, these, words, these words are challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I grew up in, I think in generation past, like I grew up in a home where I saw parents and grandparents and the family around me. You know, they, often they lived in submission in, in not so good situations. Right. You know, I grew up in a home where there was alcoholism. And, you know, there were, I'll just tell you honestly, there were several times where I remember just saying to my mom, Mom, why don't we just go? Let's just go. Let's get out of this. And there was something, of course, uh, if a woman doesn't have a job and, and my mom didn't even drive, so it makes right. it difficult to just leave and be independent. There are a lot of factors that enter into this. This is why you need counsel. Uh, you need godly advice. Yes. Um, and so submission, sometimes under those settings, the men were thinking, you just need to submit and deal with it. You know, I bring home the money and I'm providing that way and so be it. That's the end of my role. And so men... You know, the women were trying to submit. Many, many of my family members, we were all churchgoers. And so we were wanting to obey God, but we didn't know Scripture. Right. And neither the men were applying the Scripture, the husbands the right way, and, and the women were not really understanding it the right way either. And I, I think to myself, I, I grew up then in the 60s and 70s, and this was where, you know, women, you cannot be a doormat anymore. Um, this is the whole feminist movement, the whole thing about male chauvinism. Now they call it toxic masculinity, okay? The whole push now is this word patriarchy. How many of you heard this word patriarchy in the news, right? Don't subject yourself to patriarchy. Well, the whole Bible is a book founded in patriarchy. Yes. So we've got an issue here that the church (laughs) needs to understand. What does this mean? Yes. And And the way the world is portraying patriarchy is, of course, white men have been under the control of, you know, over the control of women for too long. And I just, I found as I was looking some things up during this message and just kind of scooting through Google pages, and there was a page on why we should smash the patriarchy. And so I clicked on it and started to read it, and it was an article written really towards young minds about why you should say no to your elders when they're trying to teach you something about their beliefs. Say no, because you will have your own beliefs. Say no if they try to correct you on how to dress. Say no, because we're smashing the, <laughs> the, the patriarchal control that has been in our family line too long. And I thought, 
They even said, you know, smash the patriarchal control over when they try to tell you what gender you are. You decide what gender you are. But this is act these are actually things that are getting taught, yes. not just on Google. They're getting taught in our universities. And so the mindset is the, the kids are getting indoctrinated in this mindset. And if the church doesn't have a proper understanding, yes. wait a minute. The Bible talks about patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the, how the family line does follow down through the father's line of descendants. And yes. these things are actually good. We're not going to smash it. We're going to learn how to build it up and actually walk in the truth of yes. it. Because there's power and there's, there's glory in it when we walk it out in truth and in the right way. And so Christians need, we need a proper understanding of how this is supposed to play out in our marriages. And this subject is often, it's not easy. But with godly understanding yeah, that's it. about the scriptures, yes. and we don't let the, the media take it and twist it. Because human nature will, to be sure, there has been abuse. Yes. There has been abuse over women down through, down through the church, down through, through time. But this was never God's plan. And we could never go to the Bible and say, well, since this is a book about written with an understanding of the, we have God as a father. He is the ultimate patriarch yes. that we come under. And so our faith and our obedience to the truth is not going to produce oppression in your life. No, that's right. If you're it's going to produce something beautiful in your family and in your marriage. Yes. Yeah. Hallelujah. There's parallel verses here too about submission in a marriage. And you find it in Ephesians chapter 5. And let's, let's roll over the Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to look at, uh, ver starting in verse 22. Ephesians chapter 5. If you don't know where it is, go ahead to the table of content. Find it. Ephesians. Ephesians. It's page 1210 in my Bible. <laughs> I know that helps you a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, 12.14. Ephesians starts at 12.10. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. We'll be specific, and that's important. Amen? The misunderstanding about the marriage is, is vital. It, it has caused major problems. It, it, is, it has caused actually what happens. That's why they wrote that is because there was abuse in it. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. It says, Wives, subject yourself to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is also the head of the church. He himself being the Savior of the body. All the men say, Yahoo there. But as the church is subject to Christ, so wives ought to be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands. Love your wife just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Take a look at verse 28. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Now jump to 33. Nevertheless, as for you individually, each husband is to love his own wife the same as he 
loves himself. And the wife must see to it that she respects her husbands. God has placed a, the authority on the husband in the marriage. And with that carries great responsibility before God. Yeah. Again, we get excited about t- verse 23. You can go in there and tell your wife, I'm, God says I'm the head of this family. You know, you better do everything I say. It is our, it is a responsibility. Let's say it's a requirement because it is. It's a requirement for you to fulfill these scripture. Great responsibility to nourish, to care for your wife, just as Christ does the church. Verse 25, look at that. It says Christ died for the church. He gave himself up for her. Wives, you must submit to your husbands, but husbands, you're called to die. And I'll tell you right now, a wife will find it much easier to submit to a husband who's, who's walking with God, yeah. bringing out the truth of what God is, walking in the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and gentleness, and self-control. It's easier for her to submit to something like that, isn't it? Yeah. Wives, yeah. When she sees the husband learning the things of God, and then applying them in his life, she can easily follow somebody like that. The marriage, listen, marriage is so sacred to God. Why? Because it is a reflection of Christ and the church. This is why he has brought this up through Peter. In a culture that was insane as we would see it now. That history, that time period in history, women didn't have a voice. They had nothing. And so right in the heart of the darkest darkness, God shines the light on how men are to treat the women. And that's part of the reason the church grew. Because men understood what the Holy Spirit was speaking, and they started to apply it. And the next door neighbor said, well, you were nice to your wife. What's up with this? You got an opportunity to to tell him the good news. When husbands and wives together submit to the word of God, we make Christ the head of our home. We agree to make Christ the head of our home. It was actually in our wedding vows. Pastor Mamie said Christ was the head of our home. We want your plan for our marriage, Lord. You, you, you agree with that. We want your plan for our marriage. Love should be the motivation. And there should be mutual submission. Listen, Pastor Mamie's a lot smarter than me in certain areas. Now, I'm not going to start to say, but you know why? Because God gifted her that way. And I'm lacking in that. Now, if I go in there bullheaded and tell her what I want to do, well, that's pretty stupid. But yet you look and you see the gifting that God has put in here because this is a daughter of God. I'm not going to make God mad by the way I treat her. (laughs) Are you kidding me? He watches everything. 
He sees everything. He knows everything. And he keeps books. You know that? He keeps books. The Bible says he keeps books. Husbands, you're challenged to take the lead. And that does, that means your whole family. You lead your whole family. Yeah, you might be uh, working. You might be working hard. You might even put 60 hours in a week and bringing home a paycheck and being able to keep up with the bills and you still got food on the table and you think your responsibility is done? Yeah. No. Your home is a sanctuary. Hello, from the world. Your home has the opportunity to have the atmosphere of heaven in there. And you're responsible to bring it. And wives, you're responsible to submit to that leadership. But men, you've got to understand what the Word of God says in your situations. You have to know the Word of God. How do you lead? How, do you, how am I the spiritual leader of my house? Wives, that does not mean he knows everything in the Bible. Please. It means he says, oh, here's our problem. You know what? I got the computer. I got you version. I can put in a word to find out what I need. And I'm going to find it, and we're going to do this together. Amen? <laughs> that doesn't mean you know everything. It means that you can lead your children, too. Instead of just, you know, pray for them. Look, kids got it rough. They're being bombarded every single step of the way. Pastor Mamie just read that article. It's for who? It's for young minds. Yeah. It's like college is a disaster if you send your kids there these days. But you've, you've got to ask your kids, what are you wrestling with? What's happening? Well, let's pray together about that. Pray for your kids right there in their troubled times. Pray for them. When they see dad reading the Bible, when they see dad in a trouble spot and calling, I remember when we were in Bible college. I didn't have a job. Pastor Mamie was staying at home with the two kids. At one point, after we paid the bills, paid our tithe, and then paid our bills, I had $5 left. And you know what I did? I showed my son, look, this is all the money we have. And I said, you watch what God's going to do. You watch what God's going to do. He started giving me jobs. One job after the other, after the other, after the other. Pastor Mamie could stay home. Train up the child in the way they'll go. Do you know? That was a spiritual reality when I did that. It was a proof how God is working in my life. I didn't just go around throwing things, saying, I don't get a... No, no, I said, hey... Or tell me, watch. you're going to have to go out and get a job. Oh, no, I, yeah, that's not it. You're not, that's not it. Men, we support our families in all the different ways. God has anointed you to do it. Yeah. If God's asking us to do it, guess what? <laughs> He'll never ask you to do something you cannot do. Yeah. He'll give you grace. It's a role He'll model. You, 
dads, show them at church, volunteer somewhere. Hey, how was church? What did you learn? What was the memory verse? Wow, let's look it up in the Bible. And then Monday morning, hey, what was that memory verse? What are you doing? Well, just like Amanda said, you're planting seed. That seed's going to grow in their heart. They're going to become more in tune with Jesus Christ. Pray for your kid's future. I mean, I mean, we prayed for, we didn't know Amanda. Ben was not even thinking about getting married. It was, what, was it 15 years old, maybe less? No, I think we started before that. <laughs> we prayed for her. Lord, we want, I'm going to ask you to, Ben, give wisdom on who to marry. Bring that godly person now. And we prayed for your parents. We didn't even know you. We didn't call anybody's name. But we prayed for your family. And we got over and above what we yeah. had. <laughs> you know, when a, when a man does this, hey, look, guess what? If you haven't been doing it, just simply repent. Ask God to forgive you with all your heart. Don't just, I'm a guilt, and that's all I'm going to do is sit in my guilt. No, you know. You're going another yeah. step lower. And I think, I mean, I certainly didn't see a biblical model of marriage growing up in my family. But I think any one of us, when you hear a message like this, anybody could take the word of God and in sincerity say, God, help me. I yes. want, I, you just do it in a genuine heart. And you do it together if you can, if your spouse is a believer, and say, let's just do this right. Maybe yeah. you didn't start your marriage out right. Sometimes you, people are so nervous in those marriage vows, they don't know what they're saying. They're just looking forward to the reception and the honeymoon. <laughs> but the vow is the most important thing. Yes. And you could go back and say, let's just make Jesus Lord of our marriage. I don't, I don't, and I'm going to look at this scripture and help me yes. to walk this out. I don't know what submission means. Well, here's, they, here's the key. Even in that, when your wife sees you doing what God is asking you to do, and you're starting to turn and turn and turn more, and you're understanding scripture more, she'll submit in love. Yeah. It won't be a burden it turns into a privilege. Right, yeah. It turns into a privilege. Why? You're walking with God. Yeah, you're walking with God. And just like you say, you, it was not an example of your house. No, it was not. But I did, uh, you know, when you firmly believe, well, if God has wisdom and he's giving it out freely, well, then let's just go for it. Let's take it and see. <laughs> That's us. And, and begin yeah. to actually, that, what else helped was to begin to look around at people in the church we were in and go, what are, I want what they have in their mm -hmm. marriage. I see something in them that we don't have. And so you need to be a good observer, too. Look at marriages that are working. It doesn't mean they're perfect, right. but you know that they've struggled through 
their, their troubles and putting Jesus first. They're learning to raise their children to love God. Those are the models we're supposed to look at and go, I want to ask them some questions. Exactly go meet right. with them, have coffee, and go, how'd you do this? Yeah. How'd this work in your marriage? Yes. We don't, a, it's it, not going to just happen by just poof. It won't... <laughs> You know, it's just not going to happen. It takes but, uh, work, It takes brother. work, yeah, <laughs> and prayer. And so, like, wives, back to wives, what if, you know, your husband doesn't take the lead? You know, this is when it's hard. You know, like, sometimes wives will say, well, I'll submit, you know, when he starts making some better decisions. How can I submit when he makes these dumb decisions, what you think is dumb? Or I'll be respectful when he does something that deserves my respect. Mm, that's not what it says. But that's not... Yeah. Yeah, when it's saying submit, you know, that's not what it says. Because Scripture is calling you as a wife to voluntary humility here. And we, we're not doing it first and foremost just for my husband. I'm doing it first for the Lord. I'm learning to follow yeah. his command, really. Yes. Because he's the one saying, I understand what the marriage covenant is about. And if you will obey it from my viewpoint it will begin to work. Yes. And I think this is where sometimes wives can go wrong because we just take our own thoughts. Well, this is what's happening. This is what's happening. And I respond out of the flesh. And we feel justified in doing it. And it's actually, it turns sinful. Right. And so he's calling us to a voluntary humility first. It's like, all right, Lord, I'm going to do this before you. And again, you, you, we're not called to submit to an unbelieving spouse or a spouse that you know, doesn't take the lead to the point where you're, you compromise your values and your, your convictions on the Word of God. There you go. You're not going to do something and submit to what your husband says if it contradicts your relationship with the Lord. Correct. But in most situations, you're going to have to learn, we have to learn for opportunities to humbly serve God, serve, you're serving your husband, if you will, and even the family in the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Your mind is centered on the Lord first. It's like, Lord, I, I pray you're helping me. Help, help you, Holy Spirit, move inside of this marriage. And again, all this is just so countercultural. Isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Marriage I mean, this whole away. thing about submission. I remember when we did a, a marriage ceremony some years ago. And later on, hearing about one of the bridesmaids because in our the ceremony that we generally have used there are vows that the husband the, the bride and the groom are making to each other and one of the, the vow that the bride is speaking is I will submit to you you know in a godly way in the mm -hmm. verse the same roles we we read through Ephesians here and um, later on I heard that one of the bridesmaids came back, you know, to even the bride and said, I can't even believe that you said that vow. <laughs> like submitting to your husband, this is, that's outrageous. <laughs> because she was in a live-in, she was in partnered with a boyfriend and had been living with him for a, a long time. And she's like, I can't even believe that people just still say this now. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the thing about that relationship is they had a close relationship. <laughs> And, you know, the bride prayed for her over the years. And, you know, long story short, she eventually got saved because at the time she said that she's living with her boyfriend, she was not saved, she was not in a church, but she did get saved. Yes. And she found a godly husband. 
And, you know, I think what made her, what began to make that happen with the prayer is that it made her long for something. Like, she, she looked at the couple and thought, you know, I see, I see a, something good going on here. I see love. I see a mutual submission that's building this commitment between them. You know, you even just see how they're raising their children. And I think it made her long for something she didn't have. And with, you know, with a live-in partner, because you don't have a lot of commitment there. If there's no marriage covenant, it's pretty easy to go, well, just in case, just in case I can walk away, just in case I can walk away, right? I mean, people are so afraid of commitment. Mm. But the bride prayed, you know, over the years for this bridesmaid. She eventually got saved, separated from that relationship. Now she's a Christian, married to a godly man, and they're going to church together. And, of course, that relationship between them is so much more blossomed. But how we live in front of each other, you know, at first it might seem like mockery, like you submit to your husband. But if we do it in a godly way, it says something to the world. And it says something powerful and beautiful to the world. And it's an opportunity. I mean, this is is an opportunity for to have a, a Christian witness to people who are afraid to make commitment. And the, the, the one other thing, piece to that story that I have to bring up is the part of prayer. Because, yes. you know, you could, a, a person who has an unbelieving husband say, well, I'm going to submit and show, you know, that my godly ways to him, that's all good. But you need to combine that with prayer. It must be combined with prayer. And I, and I pulled out a couple of these little books that we've had in our house, The Power of a Praying Wife and The Power of a Praying Husband, Power of a Praying Husband, Little uh, short prayers that you could pray over your situation, godly prayers, faith-filled prayers. This is really necessary. Some of you are trying to do this just toughen it out, and you're going to find that it doesn't work that way. God's waiting on you to not just maybe tough it out, put up with it, act like you're submitting, but be real about it. Start yeah. praying and saying, God, I really do want your will for my marriage. And see if he won't break through for you. I, I believe he will. These, these prayers are totally scriptural. Yeah. You're, you're finding your way through the Bible as you read these prayers. Yeah, they're, they're just really good. Because they cover a lot of subjects that sometimes, you know, we might just continually pray the same prayer. Oh, help my husband, Lord, to be saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that's a good prayer. But there are a lot of other things that go on in the mind of your husband yep. that he needs the help of the Holy Spirit to enter into those situations. And that's, what, that's the good part of a little prayer book like this yes. that, that can help with it. Very good. And so as we move along, um, we go to verse 3 in this. After he, uh, the Holy Spirit here through Peter is talking about mutual submission, he's also, I think, says some really freeing statements to women here in verse 3. That it's not just the outward adornment, because let's face it, you know, women are a lot of times just concerned about their beauty. There's a million beauty products out there for women today. And this says here, don't let your adorning be external, the braiding of the hair and putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. Not, don't just let it be all about that, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is in God's sight very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. 
again, really, I think, countercultural advice. Come on. Because it, it, this isn't saying don't bother with how you look. It doesn't really matter. I think, I think we should do the best with what God's given us. Yes. Actually. And the men said amen. Yeah. But a woman, you know, has to be careful that this isn't all that she focuses on. I mean, we are in a social media world. Everybody loves their selfies. You know, we're always looking our finest. We put the best filter over it so that, you know, <laughs> nothing bad shows. It's like, I'm perfect. But we're not perfect. <laughs> and there are a million beauty products out there today for your face, for your hair, your nails. You have salt scrubs. You have body spas and, you know, ways that we can just pamper ourselves mm. on the outside. There's plastic surgery for every part of our body practically now anymore. It's like, wow. And even the men are getting in on it, right? Well, I mean, they, he, yeah. we laugh about some of these advertisements. I mean, men for hair, the spas, the flab removal, the, I mean, all this stuff. It's like, <laughs> we have a lot of image control going on in Come our on world, now. don't we? I mean, we really do. But women, you know, this is not saying that not quit adorning yourself. It's saying, don't just let that be your total focus. Come on. He's basically saying, you're free from this. And I think that's freeing. Yes. Scripture tells us that our real beauty, the value and confidence as a person, isn't about the outward. It's measured by the inner adorning of your heart. Hallelujah. Yes. The inner adorning of our heart. You, you're free to adorn yourself with your hope in God. And when you really have hope in God, there's something that comes out. There's a peace that starts to develop inside of you. There's this confidence in your identity. You know, you're not stuck in, I'm, I'm not like them, and I'm not like them. And, you know, Hallelujah. that could be That's, torturous to yeah. compare yourself constantly. Come on, woman, preach. But, you know, you can adorn yourself with kindness. And just joy, the joy that comes from knowing God calls me his beloved. He's the most important person. What does he think of me? Yes. And so if he calls me his beloved, you know, and I'm lovely to him, well, then that, that is what makes us, and then we, we begin to respond to people and around us with that mindset. Mm -hmm. There's something beautiful that comes out of that. Yes. That people can see and feel. I, I know that, and ultimately it makes you beautiful. It's like an outward, it, 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 it adorns you like it says in Proverbs. It's like it adorns your outward and your inner self. Amen. Like a garland around your neck. That, you know, to, and, and then I think you become beautiful to your husband. Proverbs 31, 30, this is one of my favorite Proverbs, charm is deceptive. I told our daughter this. And this is so important that young women really understand this, this truth. Because the world is going to say, do everything you can to flaunt, who, you know, who you are as a woman. But it says charm is deceptive and beauty's fleeting. But a woman who what? Fears the Lord. There you go. Will be praised. And so this is our primary thing that we want to be developing in our heart. Who do you say that I am, Lord? You're the one that I bow down to. And so yes. we, have a, we have an opportunity to do that in a, in a way that I think gives testimony to the world. Sure. I and mean, then, husbands and wives honor God by honoring each other. Submit to God by submitting to each other. And husbands, love your wives, and wives, respect your husbands. Really, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. Yeah. 
Your house should be filled with love if you're born of His Spirit. Love is the major thing. God is love. That is mutual submission. This is so countercultural. It's almost like the days back when Peter wrote it. Your marriage is a witness to your neighbors. Your marriage is a witness to your neighbors. They might not say it, but they're watching. Yeah. Oh, they say they're Christians. Look at that. I can hear it from over here. Yeah. Again, I, I, not anybody in this room has done it right. There are times we've really messed up. And the biggest thing is, is that we ask God to forgive us and repent. And the Bible declares that if you repent, Jesus cleanses you from all unrighteousness. And you can stand before him in his holiness as being forgiven and justified. But then after that happens, that doesn't give you a free card to do it again. It means now you're submitting to God and starting to walk in His ways. Living out the gospel before people. (laughs) The world is watching, folks. Just like they watched the early church. And the early church grew because it reflected Christ in the church. You know, why do we do it? Why do we follow these? Well, first of all, it's because who said this? It's God. God is saying this. Second thing is because our marriage reveals the mystery of Christ and the church. The bridegroom is Jesus. The church is the bride. And the next part is, well, it'll hinder your prayers. Amen. Yeah. And you, this, okay. this has been brought up that this culture... We'll say that marriage isn't really needed. It's not necessary. It's irrelevant. Why make a commitment? Get out whenever you can. This culture has brought marriage to the lowest part. There's a time that's coming that says men will forbid marriage. And that's happening in Cuba right now. But God honors marriage. And the Bible declares, let the marriage bed be honorable among all. And let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. We have a responsibility if we call ourselves Christians. To walk in this marriage. To live it out. To give our all in all for Jesus Christ. It's the love of God that'll change your heart. It's the love of God that'll change your heart. And God is giving to us instruction now. This is instruction from Jesus. If we fail to walk in this instruction, it will not go good with us when we stand before him. But right now you have a choice to change things in your life change things in your life.
So let's, I think let's just, as we close out, we'll just bow our heads for a moment and, um, you know, just maybe your spouse is sitting next to you. You might want to grab their hand. And we want to pray. We want to, if you mean it, if you want the lordship of Jesus over your marriage, well, then it begins with telling him that. You know, you might grab your spouse's hand. You might, you know, begin to pray just on your own. Jesus, I want you to be Lord over our marriage. And then maybe there's places where, and I'm sure there is, in every marriage there are so many things that sometimes get pushed under the rug that, you know, times where we need to talk more and communicate, not yell and get angry, but actually communicate honestly. And so if you want to learn to do that with your spouse, just, you know, you can might squeeze their hand. You might put your other hand up to the Lord and just say, Jesus, I, I need help. I want yes. your help in our marriage. You see, our relationship with Jesus isn't built just on hearing the word. Remember, I said we have to be doers of it. And this is the way we talk to him. Lord, Hallelujah. I pray for your help in our relationship. Help me to be loving and forgiving. I want to walk this out. The way that I just heard these words, maybe husbands, I want to love my wife like Christ loved the church. And if you're a wife, you know, I want to submit to my husband in honor and respect. I need your help. Yes. Jesus, I pray, Lord, I pray you pour out a blessing on the marriages today. I pray you pour out a blessing on the marriages too, that there's a spouse in here maybe that doesn't, their, their their, their spouse is not a believer. Lord, give them patience. Give them prayers, Lord God. We still declare their, your lordship over that home. Yes. Your wisdom, Lord, to operate. Holy Spirit, come, because marriages are a witness to the world. We want to bring you glory. Yes. This isn't really just even about us. It's about bringing you glory for the covenant of marriage. And so help us, Lord, to love one another like you loved us and gave your life for us, Lord. Yes. I pray for mutual submission to grow in our marriage relationships in this church. Let it be an honor to you, Jesus. You know, and if you're in this place today and you are not, you know I'm not even, I don't even belong in the kingdom of God. I've never given my life to the Lord. Well, here's an opportunity for you to do that. If you'd like to surrender your life to Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin, to receive eternal life, to know him and walk with him, you need to, you need to make that a conscious decision. I want to do that. Is there anybody in here who wants to give their life to Christ today? If you do, raise your hand. Raise your hand high enough. I, I see that hand. Yeah. Anybody else in the room? Glory to God. We'll just pray this prayer. And this is not something you just pair it and you say it because I'm saying it. You're saying it to the Lord. You're speaking now to Jesus. If, you, if you've raised your hand, you, you're asking him, and you say this prayer, Jesus, 
Jesus, come into my life. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my sin. I'm turning away from it. I'm turning away from I'm it. I'm giving my life to you. I'm giving my life to you. Help me to walk with you. Help me to walk all with the you. days of my life. All the days of my life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah.